0: So, question. Who are you? Male, female, student, professor, uneducated, a doctor, a pilot, a priest, a prisoner. Who are you? Who you identify as is the realm of which you will operate and see the world. Here's another question. The way that you treat others is based on what? Sometimes it's based on the identity or label which you consciously or subconsciously give others. Whatever that label is, that's how you treat them. If they're a parent, a sibling, if they're black, white, Muslim, rich, poor beggar, teenager, drug addict, LGBTQ, professor, or president of the United States, whatever that label is that you give them, that's how you will treat them. You treat others according to that label. It's really hard to deny that you would treat a beggar on the side of the road differently than how you would treat the CEO of Apple or of a famous person. So welcome to part two, which is love. Jesus said the most important thing in life is to love God and to love others. Jesus did that so well that it ultimately got him killed for it. So in the first episode, I mentioned how parables are used by scientists in order to explain the indescribable theories of quantum physics. They try to describe the anomalies of something indescribable by using comparisons, which is what the word parable means in Greek. In this episode, I'm going to talk about God's love, which can't be described by language because it goes beyond our comprehension. Scriptures say that God's thoughts are way beyond ours, right? It's beyond our comprehension. God had to come to earth in a form of man to show us who God is through his actions. And Jesus also taught about who God is by parables. My favorite parables are the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, of course, the lost son. In the first two stories, the owners of the sheep and of the coin, they go out and they find those missing items. And when they found those missing items, they come back, and what happens? There is a celebration. But the third story is a little different because it involves a person. And a person is a lot different than a coin and a sheep because a person has consciousness. A person like the younger son has the ability to wander off. A person like the older son has the ability to remain unaware of the truth, even though he was in the truth the entire time. So the father reminds both of his lost children of their identity, of the only label that matters. That the only thing that matters is that they are home in the father's house being called children of the divine. We cannot lose this identity no matter how hard we try. The younger son did everything possible to lose this identity. I mean, this should have gotten the younger son banished or even killed by the father. Yet the father was overwhelmed with joy when the the son returned back in his household. The older son was home the entire time, yet he was miles away From truly being home. He was unaware of what he truly had. And the parables end with my favorite verse in the entire Bible. The father of the prodigal sons says this, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. The father is is saying, like, don't you get it? Like, don't you understand who you are? You don't need to achieve or to prove anything. You don't need to go out and search for anything. Like, don't you understand? You are always with me and everything I have is yours. You have already arrived. Wake up, child, and realize what you are and what you have. You can either go off and search for what you think you want and not ever gain it, or you can be inside the entire time with everything that you want around you but be blinded to it. Your label is child of God. In the realization of that identity, we overflow in how we operate and see the world. When that identity or label is understood at the core of your being, you realize that all other labels don't matter. All other labels do not compare to the label of which the divine gives. Meaning, it doesn't matter, rich, Poor, black, Muslim, Asian, thief, priest, beggar, educated, famous. It doesn't matter who gives these labels out. The labels are given by universities, institutions, society, your community, your family, your friends. Is it possible to even compare that label, those labels, to the label that is given to you by the creator of the universe? Therefore, you will treat others not according to those labels of which you thought was so important. In the Father's house, everyone is seen as sons, as daughters, as children. Because all other labels will never compare to the label of which the divine makes known. But you have to come to that realization of the identity that you have in the eyes of the Father. The parable actually ends with an invitation to join the party Which means the father is saying to the son, Celebrate what I celebrate. Love like how I love. Forgive like how I forgive. Heal like how I heal. See others according to the way that I see them, not according to your own label. The father's invitation to the party is to develop a characteristic just like the father So in accepting this identity from the divine, it gives us a lot of freedom to just be children in the Father's care. And it also removes the temptation of one of the most deadly sins, which is pride. The pride that we have carrying such labels. And the pride that we have in seeing others with such labels. In the first part, I talked about light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. The sound of his voice created the universe and holds everything together and continues to create millions of light years a day. That same voice that holds together our being is intimately describing our identity as beloved children. We are not just created and held up by the creator of the universe, we also have a divine relationship. Don't you understand, my child? You are always with me and everything I have is yours. You are already given the highest compliment, and accomplishment in your entire life. There is no greater label than this. This creator wants one thing from us, one commandment that sums up everything, Jesus says, which is to love, to love the Lord your God, to love this creator. So let's go all the way back to Abraham. So Abraham came from a family who worshiped false gods. In those days, those false gods demanded sacrifice. Back then, they believed it was all about making the gods happy in order to survive. The greater the sacrifice, the greater chance of appeasing or right standing with these false gods. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. Remember that story when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac and people say, "Wow, Abraham had such great faith. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Abraham was promised to receive a great blessing, right? To be a father of the nation, with more descendants than the stars in the sky. And Abraham was raised in a culture where it was normal for parents to sacrifice their children in order to receive blessings from the gods. Scholars and archaeologists have discovered many urns containing charred skeletons of children dating way back then. Because sacrificing of children was a normal ordeal to the false gods in order for them to receive blessings in return. So I think Abraham thought this great blessing from God requires a great sacrifice. I think he believed that he had to sacrifice the very best in order to receive the very best. So God promised Abraham a great blessing, but but that blessing did not happen for a very long time. Abraham then finally had his own son, which meant he could finally give God the greatest sacrifice that he thought God needed. We, we are shocked when we read that, that God said to Abraham, sacrifice your son. But I don't think Abraham was shocked at all. I think Abraham was more shocked when God stopped the sacrifice from happening. Because remember, child sacrifices in those days was normal. But I think there was something even more shocking. I think the statement that God said afterwards was a greater shocked factor than sacrificing the Son to begin with. Because God stopped the sacrificing from happening, and then God said, I will provide. Like, do you understand in those days, the false gods do not provide anything. Gods would never provide a sacrifice. Because that was the job for humans to do in order to receive provision from the gods. But you see here, God is saying, I will provide for you, and I will even provide the sacrifice. Notice after Abraham was stopped from sacrificing Isaac, God said, I have seen your obedience. Do not lay a hand on your boy. I think it's because up until this point, Abraham thought that this God was just like all the other false gods that demanded sacrifice. So God allowed this plan to happen in order to prove a point to Abraham. God is showing to Abraham, I am different than all the other false gods that you are around. I will provide the sacrifice. I am different from all these other false gods. That is why over and over and over in the scriptures, you see that this God is called as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because this God is significantly different than all the other gods. This God is different because he operates in the currency of love. We see in the beginning that he doesn't need the best sacrifice that people can give. Instead, he wants something else. From Abraham, let's move on to Moses. Do you remember the slaves in Egypt? God rescued them from slavery, right? Do you know why? Because he wanted them to be free so that he could dwell with them. As soon as the slaves were rescued from Egypt, God gave strict instructions for the tabernacle to be built. Do you know what the word tabernacle means? It means to dwell. This God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he really wants is to be loved and to dwell with his people because this God is a God of, of love. God freed and took away the label of slavery so that they could operate and see the world based on their true identity, which is love. But what happened in the desert was that these people wanted those labels back. We imagined slavery to be disgusting and inhumane, yet these people wanted that label back because they weren't concerned about their identity in the divine. They didn't care to love God. So they were lost. They wanted a label which they knew. They wanted a label from a society which was actually damaging to them. Part three is called life. In the first part, we talked about light. Here, we talked about love. And the next, we're going to talk about life. At first, I wanted to call this series Particles, Parables, and Preachers. Because the last episode, I'm going to talk about what a preacher says, which is vanity. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless.